Burn the Box, a portal to the world of hidden truths and untapped power, a sanctuary where together we unmask the oppression hidden in the shadows far too long, unscripted, unplanned, unrehearsed. Stay tuned for powerful conversations, thought-provoking insights as we ignite the sacred rebellion of the global majority. Let's begin this incredible journey together. Welcome to Burn the Box. Your host, Dr. Sonali Deepika. Welcome to another episode of Burn the Box. And I'm here with my lovely colleague, Kim Fowler, who's in Santa Fe and was part of our somatic abolitionism community that we went about two years together. Kim is a coach, a writer, a singer, and a lover of nature in its many forms. So that's wonderful. Welcome, Kim. It's lovely <laughs> to be here. I'm looking out as nature at nature as I oh. speak with you. I live outside of Santa Fe, so I'm up in the hills. Oh, so, that's so beautiful. Yeah, I have mountain views on three sides, so it's oh, wonderful. you do. Mm-hmm. And I'm over here in the mountains, so yeah, the Mexican <laughs> mountains, the Mexican yes. mountains, yes. <laughs> I usually start with just this open question of what is alive for you in your world now with burning boxes, with expanding out of places that feel constricted, Hmm. with burning things down perhaps, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Well, we have to be a little careful about that here. But when you said in terms of bursting out and allowing more of me to be present, it's interesting because I just a couple of nights ago came back from five days of a singing retreat mm-hmm. up in Taos, New Mexico. And it's a group of women. I used to sing with a choir when I lived in Oakland called Threshold mm-hmm. Choir. And we would sing for people that were dying or were in, mm. on hospice or in hospitals. Yeah. And so the women that would come once a year to this gathering mm-hmm. all had some relationship. They were either in choirs wherever they were living mm-hmm. or they knew the music in some way. Mm-hmm. And there was a way in which within that group, partially because of the way the time was structured and partially because of who the song leaders were, I felt like I was able to show myself in a big group that was predominantly white. There were three black people. One of the song leaders, Melanie Damore, who is amazing. She's in Oakland. She's black. Mm -hmm. And then a woman who had come to several of the gatherings named, her name is Shirley May. She lives in Anchorage. She was black. And so at one point when Melanie was leading a song, she invited Shirley up to join her. And then she invited me up. And I got to sing with these two extraordinary women with these extraordinary voices. And I don't even remember what the gospel song was, but we were tearing it up. And that's not something that in my world I generally get to do. Mm. So I felt seen in a way 
both musically, which is not the traditions I was brought up in, but it's certainly something I enjoy listening to. And especially if I get to sing with people like the two women I was with. So there was that. And then I brought a poem or actually a spoken word piece that people just loved. And so I got to be seen in that way. And then there, <laughs> there's a drumming that happens for an hour at Ooh. some point. Mm -hmm. And usually I would dance around the room, but I had injured myself and I couldn't, I wasn't going to go at all. And then I thought, I'll just sit. I couldn't sit. So I started dancing in my chair. <laughs> Somebody came over to me afterwards. He said, you brought a whole new meaning to chair dancing. <laughs> but I got to express myself that way, too. So yeah. it felt so holistic and so I was really honored and grateful to have had that opportunity to be able to be myself in so many different ways in one context, especially one that was not particularly racially diverse yeah it's just imagine like when the body wants to move it's not it's you just can't stop it. want to sit no. it's so we're in a chair but it's <laughs> mm -hmm. <That's> about it <laughs> a couple of things came up as you were sharing one is that if at any point you want to share anything here of your spoken word or a song or anything you're more than welcome <laughs> okay oh, i don't have the piece that i read there in front oh. of me but i oh, do okay. have i just bringing it on you of course I, actually, <laughs> I was looking through my somatic abolitionism file and yeah. i found a poem that i don't even know if i shared but i might have at some point but that i wrote at some point i think towards the end i can't remember mm. i think it was of the second Group. in the second group okay. yeah it's not very long i could share that it's very simple okay. <laughs> i would love that and what you shared about this ability to express because that's something that's been fascinating to me in these last few years especially is this idea of expressing our true essence and having giving ourselves permission to do that or feeling a permission to do that and then allowing it to happen. However that looks, whether that's with a voice or movement or any number of ways that it can happen, but just how beautiful that is to be able to express that because that piece tends to be, I don't know, I'll speak for myself, that's been very repressed and suppressed in my life anyway as far as having permission allowing myself to be seen heard and then when i did what did i allow right. to be expressed of what you shared just so yeah yeah so i think that many of us are brought up certainly mm -hmm. i was that's not something that you generally did just right. running around the house just <laughs> Like first, I would dance, but I would dance in the living room when my parents weren't home. And I would put on whatever music I wanted, and I just danced until I heard the car come. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
<laughs> and I used to sing. We had a, a, a basement in our house, which is where we did laundry and stuff. But anyway, I would go down to the basement when people, when my folks weren't home. And I was, in, I, I loved Barbara Streisand when I was a kid. I just loved her belting and her, that she brought some personality and all mm -hmm. of this. And, and mm -hmm. it was on the theatrical side, which is what mm -hmm. I also enjoy. So anyway, I would sing these Barbara Streisand songs at the top of my lungs I in love the basement it. when nobody was around. So <laughs> yeah, that kind of expression was not kind of frowned on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I could scene, play the piano but, yeah. because I was taking piano, so that was okay because okay. I had to practice. But okay. those other things were not part of the program. <laughs> that was acceptable. Yeah, but the the rest is no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, keep that to yourself. Or when we're not here. <laughs> yeah, and I I wonder as I'm saying this. Mm -hmm. um, I was, we'll talk about my book at some point, but yes. I, I was starting yes. to notice when I was writing some things about my dad, especially just mm -hmm. the things that were not allowed mm -hmm. for them as black boys, girls growing up, men, mm -hmm. women, that they had to repress and how that got translated to me. And also in terms of their the jobs that they held, not so much my mother. My mother was a teacher for most of my growing up. Yeah. She eventually got um, a master's and became a high school librarian. Mm -hmm. I was in college when all that happened. But for my dad, who was working in, he was chief of engineer. He ended up being chief of engineering at the Chicago Housing Authority, which mm -hmm. was I think, like a number two level job, the next up being the director. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is especially in terms of the board and the upper echelon of that of that city agency it was predominantly white there were some other black people i think mostly men that were architects and had other roles but not in terms of management level mm -hmm. and there's you had my sense of him was he had to be a certain way he had to he certainly had to work his ass off but he couldn't let out the way that he would around family yeah and he really wanted that top job when that person left and he didn't get it and he actually retired at that point he said if you're not going to recognize me i'm that i have the ability to do this i'm going to leave yeah how oh, good for him it really was good for him and for us <laughs> he was a lot more relaxed after he retired which we were very grateful for <laughs> <laughs> I think as you share that, I guess I, I would imagine my own father, and just I would imagine there's a lot of that takes a lot of energy to yeah. suppress, repress, like how are we meant to be seen, what's acceptable, what's not and really not allowing our full expression mm -hmm. because like you say that it's just not that's not um invited <laughs> in a lot of right. places right mm -hmm. it's not invited and mm -hmm. particularly for them as they were coming out of their their parents was a was mixtures of teachers pullman porters postal workers who 
in terms of my grandparents, my grandfathers, actually, one was a postal worker and one was a Pullman porter, and they wanted mm -hmm. to be something else and they couldn't break through. There was a class thing, too, that was happening in terms of breaking through from a working class to a more middle class. The neighborhood that we moved into when I was eight, the neighborhood I grew up in was I believe at that point, it was certainly predominantly black. I don't know if it was mm -hmm. all black or not, but certainly mm -hmm. the, my school, I think everybody at my school was black, except for the principal and the vice principal. <laughs> the management. Oh, so, goodness. So the neighborhood yeah. we moved into was transitioning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the house we bought from a white couple. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time there was a white man on the corner. And at that point, I think he might have been the only white person left on the block. And within mm -hmm. less than a year, he was gone. And mm -hmm. the neighborhood was, was all black. So anyway, there was all of that class stuff, the racial stuff that was all people had to negotiate and mm -hmm. decide who you're going to be to fit into where it is you want to fit into. And mm -hmm. it's pretty complex. Yeah, it still is, but it's different now. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It certainly still exists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That sounds like a very brave decision to retire when he did. I think he was really ready, actually. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. yeah, he had, I don't know how long he'd been there, but he'd been there quite a while. Mm -hmm. And I think had felt underappreciated for. Mm -hmm. A long period of time. Mm -hmm. I just think he was done, That's and I'm really glad. Yeah. I'm proud of him actually for having made yeah. that choice so and realizing that. Because he was someone. I don't know why I'm talking about my dad so much, but the for for me in terms of my, I'm an only child, mm -hmm. uh, or I grew up as an only child. I actually mm -hmm. have a half brother that I met in the last. 10 years or but there are so many examples for him of ways he was trying to break in and was not allowed to do certain things because he was black mm -hmm. he told me when he was in the army he and three or four other black soldiers were invited to go to the east coast to get training to become intelligence mm -hmm. workers in europe mm -hmm. specifically in france and i think they were going both to learn french and I don't know, whatever they teach you that espionage when you're they're grooming you to do that. Yeah. And so they were so they went to Hampton College for this program and they were all excited. And suddenly somebody higher up found out they were black and said, Nope, you're out. And my father was completely devastated for that. So That last straw of him not getting the, the promotions. You know yeah, what? Like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I'm living my life the way I want to live my life. Screw y'all. I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually curious because I don't know anything about your growing up, but I, you know, I don't know me? if that's what we're doing on this call or not. But. We can absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> My growing up, I was born in England, actually, wow. till I was seven. 
And then my parents, my younger brother and I, we um, moved to the Midwest. So we were talking earlier, Chicago a bit, but I wasn't in Chicago. Chicago was where I lived as an adult, mm-hmm. but it was Chicago suburbs and then a town called Rockford. Like, oh, you know, yeah. Where? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been on a bus going through there. I don't know. Going through, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know where it is. So that's where I was um, raised from like grade school. Mm-hmm. My parents are still there. They're about to celebrate tomorrow, 50 years. Wow. Yes. <laughs> wow. That's great. Yes. But now you were saying like how you're an only child. I've been an only child. I can't say I've been an only child, but I am the only child left for the mm-hmm. and for the last 23 years. Yeah. For just a second, because in 2000, my younger brother passed away. Oh. He took his life. So it was, that was like my big, one of the big for me, that's such a traumatic loss. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry. But he's, it's interesting how like, I feel like I still, I feel him with me and I feel him, I do feel him guiding me. I'm here, I'm living in Mexico. I would never have but he was someone who was really, he was a good connector. He was good at connecting people and they, his friends, because he died, he was young, you know, 22, but they would talk about him being like, like he was the wheel that connected them, like a lot of different groups of mm-hmm. friends from their childhood mm-hmm. friends. And there's certain things like that I feel like I've st- been embodying more in like late let's say I'm just going to make it like the last 10 years or or Uh so it's just, I feel like I'm bringing that more into my own body, into my own life of of being, because I'm, he was much more social than me. Like an introvert, just, (laughs) just not what I would have thought. (laughs) (laughs) But, but I do appreciate his essence. I guess I do feel that. Yeah. Yeah, I and think it, we, I feel my mom. Yeah. I still do. She, it will be now, this in November, it will be 12 years, I think, mm-hmm. since she died. And I still, I talk to her. I feel mm-hmm. like I get senses about her. I might say, should I do this? <laughs> and I get a sense of something. Or if I ask, is this okay? Is I, I <laughs> Over the weekend when I was in Taos, I, we were told to, to leave our the hoods of our cars up mm-hmm. because um, they're having rodents coming in and eating the wires of the cars. Yeah, that's happening here in Santa Fe, too. But nobody had ever said, put your, your hood up. Anyway, it started raining. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to the battery is going to get the car is never going to start. Is this OK? Is, is this really OK? And I got this message. Yeah, you're fine. Just relax. I said, OK. <laughs> Uh, and it was the car was uh, <laughs> anyway. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah, I do appreciate stories like that and just that ability to connect to our bodies more like this somatic evolutionism work yes. has guided us in. And yes. I that is something that I didn't do for most of my life, like this feel into my body and really um, tune in to whatever was there with the guidance yeah 
Yeah, I knew, I mean, I knew from pretty young that I liked to move, but I wasn't athletic. I was horrible at sports. It, it, <laughs> in grade school, when they would choose teams to do things like play volleyball or baseball, I was always the last one <laughs> chosen. And I could hear this groan. Oh, God, we got Kim. <laughs> but I knew that I had the, I, I did, my mom actually, she and she got me and my cousin doing taking modern dance lessons from a woman who lived in the neighborhood when I was mm. like in eighth grade or I don't know maybe I was in high school I can't remember how old I was but so that's when I first really got a sense of oh this is how I can be moving and then I took dance for a long time after that mm. but, oh, you but, yeah yeah I love dance too. Like I was terrible at sports too. <laughs> Horrible. It did take tennis for a little while and that was okay. But then I didn't really go very far with that. But anything like soccer, baseball, like anything like that. No, it was mm -hmm. just, it was really bad. <laughs> and I would also get really nervous and it was just not good. But dance, I love dance. And I didn't know it. I didn't do any dance when I was younger. But it's such a beautiful way of expressing. What kind of dance do you like? Or do you take? <laughs> what kind? Now, there's a question. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure I can answer that. It's just, I let whatever music is I'm listening to mm. or in the presence of, mm -hmm. I let that, I let my body respond to that. If I was listening to Beethoven, I would be doing something semi-lyrical that nobody else should ever <laughs> see, but, but feels good to me. <laughs> and if I'm out on the plaza, they have music out on the plaza on Fridays mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. in Santa Fe, there's often live music. Whatever the beat is, I will just yeah. respond to that. So that. it depends on what it is. Yeah. I don't yeah, think it's but, a particular style. <laughs> It's, no, but it's, it's just a like, response. it's yeah. a response coming from your body, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you were in that chair and your body was like, we need to move. <laughs> I love that. So I do want to hear about your book. This is your second book. It's the second edition of a book that I put out in 2000 and what is this? This is 2000 in 2015. I think it came, mm -hmm. the first edition came out. Mm -hmm. And then, is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. I decided I wanted to. So the book is about my mother's. My mother had a stroke when she was 79, and it led to increasing dementia and so increasing disability both in her brain and in her body so it's about that journey as being a daughter and then caregiver and then partnering with my father in terms mm -hmm. of caregiving and having very different ideas about what that should look like yeah. and negotiating that and mm -hmm. really growing up and being mm -hmm. able to say no to my father very strongly mm -hmm. 
and disagree very strongly, mm-hmm. which I never did when mm-hmm. I was a kid, ever. It was the last thing in the world I would do. It took a few years. And negotiating our relationship, mm-hmm. me and my dad, and also there was a new relationship between the three of us. Mm-hmm. So it, that's what it's, what it's about mm-hmm. and about what happens after. So dad died in 2004, so I moved mom to Oakland. And she was in a facility in Oakland, not too far from where I lived for the, until she died. She outlived him. She outlived him. But she and had continued to become less able to walk. Yeah. She wasn't able yeah. to walk really after the stroke, but, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. was eventually unable to speak at all. Yeah. So. And what that's as a daughter to watch your parent mm-hmm. go through that and how to still see them because there's still someone in there that responds yes. even if they can't like one of the things i would do the place where that i found for her was near mm-hmm. lake Merritt, which is a lake in the in the center of oakland and i would take her out in her wheelchair and we i'd wheel her around part of Lake Mirror, or we'd go to the park. There's a, also a lovely park that's not far mm-hmm. from there. And we'd sit in the park and she would usually fall asleep, you know, or mm-hmm. she'd look at the birds and she would just sometimes just go, I knew there's a part of her in there that's still enjoying something. So I would talk to her because yeah. I knew, I don't know what she actually understood verbally, but she certainly could get a tone of love and joint appreciation or for what she was experiencing so yeah i think you you think or some people think that once somebody gets to that point no way to communicate that's Mm. not true that's absolutely Mm. not true Mm -hmm. it's different i'm sure for different Mm -hmm. people but yeah you got to keep trying from where they are not from where i am that's right I'm not talking to her That's like right. I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. Talking to her as who she is, where she is in her capacity. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, don't, I would imagine this many things, but in it, but also this way that we've cultivated of the Sinbasi, right? Like vibes, images, mm-hmm. and senses, and all of this. Like that's somewhere in there is a way of communicating. Mm-hmm. that's not intellectual it's not coming from right. the brain it's coming yes. from mm-hmm. our souls and mm-hmm. our physical sensations mm-hmm. and our hearts and mm-hmm. just whatever we're sensing and allowing ourselves to do that because mm-hmm. that can be scary for some people <clears throat> that aren't used to being yeah. in that level of awareness around what's going on mm-hmm. in themselves mm-hmm. Like again, you were talking about permission earlier, giving yourself yeah. permission to do that because it's good for you too. <laughs> yeah, like we don't always need our words. Well, sometimes exactly. we do, and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true. Like with your father, like you were talking about, that sounds really like coming into a fuller expression when you're like freely sharing your perspective on the caregiving and the relationship and all that and then words can be really helpful (laughs) we had arguments 
I had never had arguments with him before. We had fights. <laughs> and they always ended up okay, but we had fights. <laughs> but I also knew about him that he wasn't letting out, which I always wanted for him. And the only time I saw it was once. I wanted him to be able to express what he was feeling, but that was never something that that we did with each other as a family. Mm. And that was yeah. not something I think he accessed mm -hmm. for, you know, all kinds of reasons, partially mm -hmm. what I was talking about earlier. But there was once we did a birthday party for my mom. This was earlier on, and this was in Chicago. And she suddenly like really perked up and started being more verbal, which can happen with people that have a certain types of dementia. They can, yeah. they can be like, not talking to you at all. And then suddenly something will come up and you're going, yeah. whoa, are they, <laughs> yeah. it's something changing, yeah. which is not what's happening, but something is momentarily, they've connected with something. So I don't remember what it was that mom said or did, but he, she was being close to her old self and I was mm. in the kitchen getting something and he came in and he started crying and he said, I, she's back. I see who she, and I actually, wanted to hold him and let him cry. And he did that for about 30 seconds. And then he <laughs> said, okay, mm -hmm. that's, I'm going to stop that now. Mm -hmm. I was grateful to have been able to see that. I hadn't seen that before. And when did your mom pass? 2011. This book sounds like a beautiful way to share what you your experience to express. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think the reason that was important is that I just wanted to give people a picture of what it what can look all kinds of different ways mm -hmm. of caretaking, of family dynamics, mm -hmm. of <clears throat> how you communicate with someone who's not verbal yeah. and can't process. You know, mm -hmm. what you're mm -hmm. expressing it's just there are many different ways to do that um and there's many different ways that families can respond and still find a way to be together even if there's conflict mm -hmm. and different ways of viewing things so that was that was part i think that was probably the main reason i wrote it i I had started writing actually about 10 years before I actually published it. And then I realized mm -hmm. I had to wait until she died to finish the book. So I couldn't finish it until after 2011. And then I could add things at the end about that. Yeah. And about how that impacted me and how that pointed to a way to move forward from there. Right. So, yeah. And people that have read it have really, yeah. I've just gotten such beautiful responses mm -hmm. from people that have read it. It's really lovely. Mm -hmm. so.
It's on Amazon. It's on oh. Amazon. Please oh. tell us the name. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, I am so unprepared here. I usually have a copy <laughs> sitting around somewhere, but I'd have to go into my closet and get one. Oh. Anyway, it's called All Will Be Well, A Memoir of Love and Dementia. Okay. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll include a link. I can't believe I didn't do that. We'll, we'll include a link to that. <laughs> All Will Be Love. All Will Be Well. well. A, memoir a Memoir of Love and Dementia. Love and dementia. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm sure that. That's so needed, people. I'm the worst marketer in the world. <laughs> <laughs> my book's in my closet. Like, no. <laughs> I do have a bunch of them, but I did bring one out. <laughs> I do want to hear your... Is it a poem? Oh, it's... It? Yeah, it's really short. I just... Okay. I think this came... It was either at the end of the second round of our being together with Rosa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I call it Grace. And it really just popped out the morning of that call. This is a praise song. This is a hallelujah. This is a can I get a witness? This is a yes. This is a vibration deeper than gratitude. This is an image of all of us in a circle that feeds, allows, and generates compassion rawness, digging through the muck and celebration. This is an understanding of the meaning of my black womanness that is gorgeous and wrenching. This is a behavioral change to forever learn, challenge and forgive myself and to challenge and to give forgiveness where I can to others. This is an affect of belonging as best I can, while on stolen land and inhabited predominantly by thieves and those whose ancestors, including mine, manufactured theft. This is a sensation that underneath it all, we belong to a community of life that is beyond our experience and is of the earth, born of land or sea or air, a community that gives me hesitant hope and endless joy. This is an ashe. This is an amen. This is a thank you. I love that. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank for you for asking. That. Do you have a collection of your poems? I have a couple of files on my computer, so yeah, but I have not. <laughs> I'm thinking that's the, the next place thing. I need to go, actually, is to look at all of that and figure out yes. how do I want to compile it into something mm -hmm. new. Yeah. yeah. That'll be fun. I, I, I want to definitely listen to it again, um, but I did hold on to the words when you said hesitant hope. Just really well, just really captured a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, there is a lot unfolding and yet to unfold mm -hmm. in this country. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I have a lot of hesitancy about a lot <laughs> mm -hmm. about where we're headed, and also joy around the things that are generative and life giving. and feed my soul which are That's also great. here yeah and the people mm -hmm. and the land and the... Mm -hmm. 
and all of it. Mm-hmm. I've also I've been considering whether I want to stay, how long I want to stay here. I yeah. I lived in New Mexico in the seventies for basically for four years, um, and I came here because I we had driven through here on our way to California when I was eight, I think. And when we got to New Mexico, I went, whoa, what? Whoa, <laughs> we are not in Illinois anymore. This is so different and yeah. so amazing and so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I had some college friends that were here and they said, we got space in the house we're renting. Why don't you come on down? So I did. And I finally left because I realized there was no way I was going to find a job that I wanted Mm-hmm. do unless I worked in the government, which at that mm-hmm. point I wasn't interested in doing. Mm-hmm. I moved to the Bay Area where I was for 38 years. And then I thought, if I'm thinking of retiring in Santa Fe, I better go see if I like it or not again. I've been coming back every year for to visit friends and to be out in the land and all that. But, um, but I've been thinking, is this really where I want to age? And there's certain concerns around that, but there's there's also somewhere in the back of my brain there. Is this a place I want to be if the shit really hits the fan? Is this the place that I would feel best used? Is this the place mm-hmm. I would feel safest? Mm-hmm. I'm considering all of that. It's a lot to consider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As I notice people... <laughs> Migrating down where I am. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yes. We talked about this earlier. I know several people that are either headed that way or already there. <laughs> you have community there in Santa Fe? I have friends here. I have a yeah. big community in the Bay Area. And oh, I, in the Bay Area. And I do miss them. And my godkids are there. And and their folks. So there's, that's like a second family. And I do miss mm. them quite a bit. I, I see them at least once a year. I try to see them more than that. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it is also about community for sure. Yeah. And there yeah. are more black people, the black population and the indigenous population is about the same percentage, which is a little over 1% of the population. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is really? <laughs> I have met more black folks than when I lived here in the seventies, I didn't know any black folks, but I do have a small black community of folks. Yeah. Of all women actually. Yeah. That's so small of the whole population. But that's of the city, but okay, so, okay. yeah, that's Santa of the city Fe. of Santa Fe, it's but Santa yeah, Fe. that's really mm-hmm. small. And that's a whole other story about how the indigenous populations have been massacred or ignored or you know, over the centuries. So there's that here too. Yeah. But some like something drew you to the land there with mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. as a young one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, mountains and red rock and you know, mm-hmm. it was a different kind of beauty. I think the Midwest is beautiful mm-hmm. and it's yeah. beautiful in a green and very watery way. 
<laughs> yeah. Water is not quite so prevalent right, here. Right, right, right. <laughs> and there is some green, certainly. There's pinon and there's juniper, yeah. but it's different. Mm-hmm. It's a desert. Mm-hmm. It's a high, we're high desert. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I'm curious. So we've talked about we talked about burning boxes and like this expression um, and what you experienced recently with the, the retreat you were on. But I'm curious um, what were you wanting to expand your expression more going forward? You have this beautiful book. You're clearly a talented writer. And singer and everything. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think part of it, I think it's all about permission again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really giving myself permission and acknowledging the writer in me as a really as a part of my being that I am engaging in very actively every day or at least five days a week. So I think that's a big next step. Mm-hmm. And there's also, I have decided I, I had been part of a, and I'm, I think I'm still part of a small group of, there's, we have a standing stand up bass player who's a college friend of mine. We had a keyboard player. We had a sax player. I'm not sure he's going to continue, but it, uh, I'm not sure that particular group is going to end up doing any performing. I'm thinking about, all right, so I need to start doing some open mics. So I'm going to challenge myself to start doing, there's a Sunday open mic that I'm thinking actually starting to do this Sunday and then seeing what that's like and see where that takes me. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And that's a big permission. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I performed before. At the, I mean, I'm not, I did a lot of theater. I started mm-hmm. doing theater here in the 70s, and then I did theater mm-hmm. in the Bay Area for a while. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I haven't done like vocal performing mm-hmm. other than with a chorus, which was fun. Yeah. But solo in a long time. So yeah, that'll be, that's the next step. And that you said this coming Sunday. I'm, gonna, I'm aiming to do it this Sunday. Yes, they do it every Amazing. Sunday. Amazing. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna Amazing. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Beautiful. We'll have to look for what's coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And actually, as you're talking about breaking up boxes, what just came yeah. into my mind was mm-hmm. what's the current box that I want to break out around aging? Mm-hmm. I'm yes. 72, so, you know, my dad died at 84. <laughs> Sometimes people kind of go, oh, so my dad died at 84. Well, okay, maybe I'll live to at least 80. <laughs> Who the heck knows? But what do I, in addition to the artistic expression, I feel like that, that piece is really clear. Mm-hmm. But what are like the, what's like the spiritual expression and the, I don't know, communal expression? that I want to be in or help create mm-hmm. as I am really going into eldership. Like I moved mm-hmm. here 
And two of my best friends are in their mid eighties, which mm-hmm. I hadn't known people. I have another friend in California that's actually in mid eighties, but I'm almost there. And, you know, and they're both really vibrant. One is, is hugely creative and still teaching movement work that she created. I mean, it's, just, yeah. um, it's amazing. It's just amazing. So it's, so who is that? Who am I as I yeah. get into my elder, truly elder years? What do I want to give? What do I want to give? What's the, what do I want to leave as a gift to whomever? Yeah, I really feel that this generative energy and that, that kind of energy of legacy, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, oh, I love that so much. Where can, or let me just say more, I wanted, I want you to share like where we can find work and um, your book and all of this, then is there, is there anything else that wants to be shared about anything that we've talked about? I think it's interesting about burning boxes Mm -hmm. because I think another box that I will be burning at some point is my life as a professional coach. Because at some point I'm going to stop doing that. <laughs> I'm going to retire at some point. <laughs> I haven't point. yet. <laughs> and I still keep accepting clients. And part of it is because I love it and I love yeah. my clients. And if Aww. I didn't love it, I think I wouldn't be doing it. Right. But there's also, and I think there's a lot written and spoken about this, there's this identity piece of, mm-hmm. so when I stop doing that, yeah. That's a piece of me that is not visible. I can still come from that place. I can still mm-hmm. engage with people and communicate from that place, but I'm not directly helping people because they've called me and said they want that. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be interesting to see what that's. And there's a part of me that's not ready to let that go. And again, partially because I enjoy it. Yeah. But at some point I'm going to need to say bye. <laughs> and maybe I'll be totally ready and I'll decide to live in Greece for six months or something. But, you know, I, <laughs> but I'm not there yet. <laughs> but that is one that I think is going to be interesting to go through that process of burning that one. Yeah. Yeah. Identity shifts as we get older. It's interesting. And how people view us in terms of Mm -hmm. who we are and what we're doing Mm -hmm. and our identity. Mm -hmm. We have one picture. (laughs) Somebody else, oh, you're not doing that anymore. What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) What's it to you? (laughs) Yeah, who's to say when we burn a box of identity with profession, like what opens up? Be quite liberating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, aging and the profession. I do think as a coach, and if you love it, just my perspective, you can do it for a long time oh, if you yeah. want. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's true. That's true. Which is great. I appreciate mm-hmm. that I can do that because you not all professions, that's not always possible. That's so true. Sure. Where can people find you uh, or find your work? Or <laughs> left off the old Las Vegas Fire Highway and come up the. <laughs> so, 
The book <laughs> is available on Amazon. And again, it's All Will Be Well, a memoir of love and dementia. And my name is Kim Fowler. And yes. yeah, that's, and in terms of coaching, mm-hmm. if somebody was interested, they could email me. But I'm wondering if I would, do want everybody on the podcast to have my email? Maybe I do. I didn't even think about that. Um, <laughs> you can go to my website. My website is mesacoaching.com. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, this has so been a hoot. <laughs> thank you. I had no idea yeah. what this was going to be like. So <laughs> no, and that's I, why everyone who's on it, like from our community, I, I just, I just am grateful for the willingness to come into a space and explore and see what emerges. Yeah, which is a lot of our time together. It was really about that emergence and you hold that and you hold a spaciousness as well as as a curiosity that allows that and just a generosity and just a loveliness of being it's just wonderful to be around so thank you (laughs) for creating the space oh thank you so much so we'll have your website and everything here for anyone who's interested okay and I look forward. I hope we can stay in touch. I'd love to hear how. Yeah. Go. Yeah. I'm telling you, I need to come visit. Yeah. Come, come visit. Come visit for sure. Another mountains. Another yes. mountain yes. town. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, thank you for this opportunity. It's really been lovely. And thank you for doing this. I think this is, I look forward to hearing the other podcasts. Yes. Yeah. Let yeah. me know when it starts to come oh, out. Yeah. Burn the Box, a portal to the world of hidden truths and untapped power. A sanctuary where together we unmask the oppression hidden in the shadows far too long. Unscripted, unplanned, unrehearsed. Stay tuned for powerful conversations, thought-provoking insights as we ignite the sacred rebellion of the global majority. Let's begin this incredible journey together. Welcome to Burn the Box. Your host, Dr. Sonali Deepika.